Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. And of course, just in case you are wondering, this is the delayed broadcast. If you would like to listen to the live show, then simply swap over to faithfm.com.au and press play. Run it through your car stereo however you like. You get a perfect signal wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, Positively Different Radio in the morning with Lyle and... Mon! Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon. Back I am. Thanks for doing radio without me yesterday. It was a pleasure. No, <laughs> <laughs> you're a bit of a shady character this morning. <laughs> no, we missed you. The listeners missed you. They all missed you. Everybody, everybody was like, where's Mon? Oh, bless. I'm here. I'm back. Nobody freak out. Nobody panic. Okay. Radio is happening. It's happening. What are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? Car shopping. Oh, gosh. Do you know, I'm so glad you didn't say something like the cooler unit because that's what was sitting in the back of your car I saw this morning. And I'm like, what is that, Lyle? <laughs> and, I, and I remember thinking to myself, I bet you that weird piece of metal on the back of Lyle's car seat is going to be what he's grateful for this morning. I just know it. Some stupid car park. Oh, okay. So for those of you who might be wondering... What a cooler unit has to do with a car <laughs> is not a cooler unit, Mon. It was an intercooler, and it is very cool. Same thing. <laughs> we all know that's the same a thing. A cooler unit is somewhere you put your drinks to make them cold. An intercooler no, that's an means esky. horsepower. Whatever. I'm just glad that it wasn't what you were grateful for because I saw it and I'm like, that bet, that bet not but we would do, be what we're discussing. I think, I need, to, I, think I need to bring that in and put it on here on the desk. No, just so I can look at it no. all morning. How amazing. This it whole is. studio's going to turn into a car yard. I just know it's parts of cars and oil smell everywhere. Well, I guess anyway. I, I do bring my yarn in. So, yeah. Ask yes. What, ask what I'm grateful for. Ask what no. I'm grateful for. No, go on, go on. No, ask me. Ask no, no. Oh, what's I'm that? Finished. The distant I'm voice of our listeners <laughs> asking me what I'm grateful for. Guess what? <laughs> I'm grateful because my favorite haberdashery store is having a, a sale on yarn. Nah, guess where I'm going today. Oh, la la. Yarn sale, yarn sale. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was with God, and the word was. 
That's the promise with The Word Was God. Really like that song. I haven't heard yeah, that before. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I've, I've heard it from live and it's just incredible. Very, very talented singers right oh, there. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Much better than you and I. They, <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be hard <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard you sing, Mon, but uh, no, I've heard I'm myself sing. No, I'm not a great sing. singer. I'm not a great singer. It takes a long time for me to get warmed up and really going. And even then, it's really I make great. a joyful noise. I'm happy to make a joyful noise. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. I can do that too. <coughs> Lyle, breakfast Bible quiz. Here we oh, go. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Alrighty. This is a who am I quiz this morning. And the first clue... Wait, wait, wait. Let me have a look. Okay, okay, okay. I think I can do this in order. First clue. Who am I? I feared that, Eli- that Eliza of Damascus would inherit my estate. I feared that Eliza of Damascus would inherit my state. I could be pronouncing Eliza incorrectly. It could be Eliza. Eliza. It's E L I E Z A R. Give us a call if you know the answer. Yeah. Um, Lyle doesn't know the nope, answer. No, nope, no, nope, working on uh, it. This is there. great. Today I have a really great book to give out, Lyle, uh, as a prize. This is this is called U Turn uh, by Hans Deal and Aileen Luddington. And this is a book about health. And I know that this is really important right now because so many people are getting hit with sickness. We're heading into winter. Everyone's got a flu, got a cold, got a headache, got a cough. Everyone's sick in bed, rugged up. If you'd like a copy of this book, just answer the quiz. So it's all about understanding, preventing, and reversing lifestyle diseases. If you're in bed, if you're sick, you're crook, you might want to get this book. Or you could uh, see how I rhyme there. You're crook, get this book. Mm-hmm. Man, I should be a poet. If you'd like a copy, just answer the quiz. If you can get it right before Lyle does, I'm going to chuck in a nice CD as well. Mm, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Give Jump on it. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. of Damascus. Yeah. I'm so pleased you don't know. I was concerned that I was doing the clues in the wrong wrong order. Yeah. By the way, if you want to text your answer, 0491-064-669. Because I'm thinking it's someone from Israel, and I'm thinking that someone in Damascus has a possible right to inherit from Israel. So I'm thinking of political connections... Marriage connections, it's not coming to me. Good. Hmm. I'm anyway, happy about that. All right. I we'll get it on the next Monday, one. Monday, but it's Thursday, isn't it? I keep thinking it's Monday. That's because you weren't here yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You I were feel like absent. I had a little break. You ditched us yesterday. Yeah, I did ditch you guys yesterday. Yes. Lyle, I have a problem this morning. One? <laughs> <laughs> Lyle. Lyle. Ignatius Lyle. <laughs> Uh, yes, that's not appropriate to say on Faith FM Radio. <laughs> Isn't it? You never did tell me what your name was for me in your head. Remember? No, but yes, that's right. Mm, I, uh-huh. That's what I, I call you, Ignatius Loyola, in my head. Anyway, I have. Okay, my problem is this. My problem is this, right? You want me to tell you? Yeah, go on. The Montasaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That is so good. I want that on a t-shirt, the Montessori. <laughs> Why have you never bought that outside of your head? I would totally not have mind if you bought the Montessori. Well, I just did. On air, on the radio, for all the world to hear. <laughs> oh, that's funny as. Okay, the Montessori has this problem this morning. There is so much good news. I don't know which one story to pick. There's so much awesome stuff happening I've got around some, the I've world. I've got some good news as well in my segment. 
Oh, really? Or some fun stuff, anyway. That's how much good news there is. Yeah. This is amazing. Okay, okay. I'm gonna. What I'm gonna. Do, I'm gonna do something we've never done before. I'm gonna give you some headlines, mm-hmm. and you just, you just tell me which one it is you want to hear about. Okay. All right. Okay. Hit me. So you have leash musicians, marathon benefits, cardboard cafe, Home Depot charity, uh, front yard signs, origami cleaning water. I think we're going to stop there. Yeah, because I'm starting to get... I, I do want to hear about leaf musicians because I love it when people play the gum the gum tree leaf. Okay, yeah. Um, and the other one I was interested in was the cardboard cafe. Okay. But the signs in the front of people's homes sound like they might be creative too. Well, let's see how many we can get through. Okay, get this right. Let's start with the leaf musician. The best leaf musician has been announced. He's a fella in China. Chinese men. Yeah, Chinese men. They gum trees in China. It, but it turns out you don't need to have a gum tree. You can have any uh, uh, leaf you want. He said that it's the cheapest mu- instrument in the world. And he's on a quest because he wants more people to play the leaves. <laughs> I love even, it. I didn't even know this thing. I didn't even know this was a thing. So his name's Luau Wenjong. And he's now been declared the master of uh, playing the leaf. And uh, so, for those of you have no idea, much like myself, you make music by blowing on leaves, like with your mouth. So, the technique was apparently originally developed to imitate the sounds of insects, um, although people quickly realized they could use uh, the unique chirping sounds you can make with a leaf to actually make music. So, he's been hailed as the best leaf thrower in the world. He's been playing the leaf for over 30 years. and uh, uh, We're going to get this guy to come and do special music so in our cool, church right. sometime. His skills have brought him to dozens of musical stages around the world, so he's toured. Uh, he's keeping the tradition be on alive. Or something. And he's, uh, he does private leaf blowing lessons for our students, uh, every, everything from 7 to 70 years old. And, uh, and he's hoping that his efforts will preserve this cultural technique for many generations to come. However, he's on such a passion quest to get people to play the leaf that he started to videotape um, and make uh, online classes. So you actually jump online and take uh, leaf-blowing music lessons. So just jump online and just Google that and you'll find it. There you go. That's Isn't that cool. incredible? That's Isn't amazing. that cool? I, thought, yeah, that, I yeah. thought it was an Aussie thing, eh? But it's obviously a worldwide no, thing. Well, the Chinese have got the, got the monopoly on it now. <coughs> okay. I'll quickly go on to Cardboard Cafe. This is really cool. Uh, there's been an entire cafe, and you'll never guess which country it's in. I love it when we come to this. Uh, uh, there's been a brand new cafe opened um, to show how eco-friendly architecture can be, and they've made the entire cafe out of cardboard. Guess which country? Norway. No. I have no I idea. Give you one more guess. Uh, um, um, Chile. It's funny because I, I was thinking the exact same thing, right? Like somewhere in like the Nordic countries. India. Oh, cool. India's just climbing up that eco ladder. They're just showing us the way. So it's a restaurant in Mumbai and the whole thing is made out of corrugated cardboard. Uh, except for the kitchen area because obviously you don't want to you know, set a fire and cook, <laughs> cook your noodles, <laughs> cook your rice and cardboard. Uh, so everything from the light fixtures and menu holders, like everything, the tables, the walls, the whole thing is made out of cardboard. I'm going to swing my laptop around, Lyle, and show you. Oh, that's a fancy restaurant. Doesn't it look? This looks like some sort of five-star restaurant you'd find oh, in like easily, some sort of easily. swanky New York place. So it's 40,000 square feet of cardboard. I have a question. Yes. If you spill your soup on the table, <laughs> does it soak in? And grow mushrooms the next day. It, I, what I want to know is, like, do you have to pay for a new table? 
<laughs> you break it, you board it kind of thing. No, nah, they would have a, um, a waterproof finish over the so- but surface. But the cool thing is sure. you could probably lift the entire restaurant by yourself if you think about it because cardboard yeah, is not, it can, like it consists of about 50% air. So it's lightweight, it's durable, it's inexpensive, and it's exceptional at absorbing sound, apparently, uh, which makes it ideal for busy restaurant atmospheres. Um, But here you go, here's the information you want. The tabletops, on the other hand, they're actually treated with wax to make them resistant Mm -hmm. to spills Mm -hmm. and stains. Uh, So yeah, it was actually designed by Nuru Karim, uh, the founder of an Indian uh, architectural firm called Nudes, funnily enough. And um, look, I mean, look at these chairs, Lyle. They're like artistic. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that. that's that's five star. Yeah. Apart Definitely from, five star. That's, right yeah, there. They're not just like a boring mm. chair chair. They're like, they've really put some architectural um, art, artistry into Creativity. This. Yeah. Yeah. So it took uh, the architects a total of seven months to design and build the cafe. Uh, three months of planning and four months for construction. Uh, they spent an extensive amount of time testing the durability, flexibility, moisture resistance, and temperature adaption of the material. Look at this wall. It'd be, it'd be not good insulation. That's cool. So the wall is it's it's all not kinds just, of different weird shapes. I don't want anyone to think for a second that they've just put a piece like a, a, a no, flattened no, 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 cardboard no. box up. Yeah, as because a wall. we've seen lots of um, you know slums where people live in cardboard yeah, boxes. Yeah, it's, no, no, it's not that, that kind of thing at this, all. This like the wall this is, is like star. a wavy kind of. Think like Frank Lloyd Wright in that sort of direction of artistry. Yeah. Um, not quite that style, but that level mm-hmm. of, of, of excellence. Um, so, yeah. So, not only are they, is a the whole cafe made out of sustainable m- materials, they actually specialize in serving organic and locally sourced meals. Uh, so, he said he, this guy said he created the restaurant as a means of illustrating the versatility of cardboard so it can be taken more seriously um, as a structural material. And I gotta tell you, I would totes go and eat at this restaurant. Um, the only thing I have against it is it's a little bit brown. <laughs> the whole restaurant. Yeah, but um, brown is not such a bad color. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- this is brown done right. Yeah, this old, the for sure. But it's funny because he, he, uh, he interviewed Karim, the designer. He was like, I think the idea was to literally think, Outside the cardboard box by putting ourselves uh, inside the uh, cardboard uh, box. Uh, I see what ah, did there. How good is that? <laughs> Come and join the reapers, all the kingdom seekers laying down.
That was Sandra Enderman with Faithful Men here on Faith FM. Faithful Men on Faith FM. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I love it. Lyle. Yes. Clue number two. Yes. Let's see if you can get this. Who am I? <laughs> I don't think I get this at all. Uh, Haran and Nahor are my brothers. Haran? Yeah, maybe Haran. Haran and Nahor are my brothers. Who is that? Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can get a copy of U-Turn Health, Understanding and Preventing and Reversing Lifestyle Diseases, plus a CD if Lyle can't get this right, which he can't because he's just written down completely the wrong answer. Yay! You can text your answer 0491 if you like. All right, moving on to uh, yeah, other interesting, pretty fast, aren't you <laughs> interesting there, stories um, from around the place. Uh, the Versen police in Germany mm-hmm. are crediting with crediting the Holy Spirit with saving a German driver from a one hundred and seventy dollar speeding fine. Uh-huh. And uh, this is as uh, they got the photos back from one of their speed cameras, where a dove, a pure white dove, photo bombed the speed camera. <laughs> Right in front of the driver's <laughs> face. And so in, in Germany, you have to have both the number plate and the face of the driver to be able to send, spend out a, uh, a speeding fine. Uh-huh. And so this, uh, this particular dove has photobombed the, uh, the car and is seen flying right across the windscreen in front of the driver's face. And the Versen police hope that the driver will take the hint from above. <laughs> maybe down. it's time to <laughs> slow down. Um, and so, a hint from above in in more than one ways. Uh, they did mention that the dove should probably also be fine because it was also exceeding the speed limit. Oh yeah! Uh, but they had decided to extend mercy, seeing as it was only it was exactly seven days to the day of Pentecost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of humour coming out of Versen Police right there. Yeah, who said the Germans don't have a sense of humour? <laughs> that is funny. So, just to, just to make your uh, your day your day a little bit. Uh, I mean, how, are they, how are they going to find the pigeon anyway? They don't have an address. For that okay, so I got a bunch to. of I got a bunch of nature stories today, and Ooh, uh, yes, um, and this the next one's a bird story as well. So the Aleutian tern um, was f- f- seen for the first time uh, um, recently in Australia. Uh, this is a bird that breeds in Alaska and migrates no further south than Indonesia normally. Wow. And it was seen all the way down here in Old Bar in New South Wales. And um, some researchers have done some work to find out how much uh, income it actually created. And they have uh, they've estimated about 580 twitches arrived to have a look, um, bird watchers, and that it pumped, because Old Bar is like a little kind of tiny town right there on the coast. Yeah. It pumped about $363,000 into the economy of Old Bar. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty Old impressive. Old bar is like having <laughs> yeah. a field day. Well, they did. It's all over now because the bird has is, is long gone. Uh, but this highlights uh, opportunity, of course, that we have in Australia with the amazing wildlife that we have been blessed with because Australia has the second highest number of bird species anywhere in the world. Do we really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do we? Good on us. Yeah, we well, travel to um, to Europe or something or other and where you've got 4,000 years of history of cats, you've got... But oh, birds are basically that non-existent. Is absolutely true. Yeah, you yeah. just you don't see birds. That's actually a really travesty. Every time I go travelling, seeing how many disgusting, filthy, dirty street cats there are, and how there's no bird. Yeah, life. no bird life. 
Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a really, really sad thing. And of course, you know, it's happening here in Australia. And and, and give us a uh, enough time. The same thing is going to happen. But yeah, in recent times, we've have to had the tufted duck, which landed on a sewage pond in Melbourne and created a mass <laughs> migration to Melbourne. Uh, the black hooded gull was found in the Northern Territory, first time ever in Australia. Uh, a prat. In Coal in Perth, the grey-headed lapwing in Weewa. Uh, these are some of the uh, vagrant birds that have just arrived on our shores very, very randomly uh, and very out of place. And, of course, every time they do, they create a surge of bird watches. I have an idea. Let's get a bird, bring it to the Faith FM studio, take a picture, post it, a bunch of people will turn up and we'll get a bunch of funding for Faith FM. Okay, but what happens if it escapes and it becomes a noxious pest? Let's not think about that right now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how much money we could pump into like a nice new studio. You want a new chair? We could get a new chair. What we're going to do is get one of these birds to come visit the Faith <laughs> FM studio. <laughs> and they'll all be here. Okay. We'll sell binoculars. <laughs> while we are on, um, while we are on um, nature, yes. a new nursery has uh, been Ooh. created. With lots of floppy little babies being born. With curled <laughs> tails. And they're kind of cute. Curled tails, floppy yes. curled tails. Thank you. Um, and this new nursery is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. It's a thousand kilometres further south than what it should be. And sugar it is gliders? A, no, it's not sugar gliders. Mm, okay. Keep humpback going. whales. What? Humpback whales. 74 humpback whale calves born a thousand kilometers further south than what they should have been on the Gold Coast. And so That's you can go amazing. whale watching and see these floppy little baby whales and they can't Aww. swim and they ride on their mother's back and they have little curled tails. And oh, they're so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a lot I'm of whales being born. The word cute and whale used in the same sentence before. Well, baby whales. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, and and then of course after they're born they then head north, which is, of course they would usually just be uh, you know hanging around and being very playful. Of course they're very playful because they're calves. Yeah, yeah. And it's a bit of a boon to the tourist uh-huh. industry there. But a lot of people are wondering why. Um, and there's two theories. One theory is that there are reduced um, feeding opportunities in, in Antarctica, and so it's throwing their timing out. And so they're arriving on the Gold Coast when they should be way up inside the Great Barrier Reef. Um, and so they're having their calves there. And the other is the warm sea temperatures uh, off the Gold Coast have been warm enough for them to actually give birth. And so they're like, well, we're here. The temperature is warm enough. So why not? Let's, yeah, let's, yeah. let's give birth here. But uh, they have also noted how tame whales are becoming. So whales of, humpback whales have been increasing their population by 10% year on year. Praise the Lord. Um, and because of the huge whale watching industry, and this is one of the things that we need to take note of, is that nature, you know, the things that God has created, give great opportunities um, for, for tourism and for income. It's, yes, um, but true. because of the, the massive uh, whale watching industry and the protection of these animals, they become super tame and they're just constantly coming up to boats and looking at people and you know uh, interacting with with, with Do human you think beings. That's a bad thing? I think it's a great yeah, thing. I think it's, it's amazing. amazing. I think yeah, it's amazing. absolutely. That's how the relationship between man and beast should be one of innocence and you know trust. Absolutely. Okay, so moving away from um, warm, fuzzy nature stories, uh, Kevin Rudd came out yesterday and spoke out on the Labor election loss. Um, had some very interesting things to say. Of course, he was the last Labor uh, leader to actually um, win win power through a popular election. And he has stated that Labor needs to reconnect religious reconnect with religious voters. Oh, 
um, and that Labor effectively delivered the religious vote to the conservative parties, um, LNP and so forth, and he specifically mentioned Catholics, Protestants, and Pentecostals. And so I think that this is actually a very good observation. What I have noticed, and Lawson and I were talking about this yesterday, is how politics have become all about morality. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past, you know, uh, it used to be Labor supported the working man, Liberal supported the businessman. Uh, Now it's all about morality. And so you've got, you know, issues like religious liberty versus uh, compassion for the marginalized. And so typically your 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 right of politics will um, be supporting you know issues like issues based around religious liberty and the freedom to worship um, and of course that becomes very much a moral issue and then on the other side the left side of politics you'll find you know arguments about compassion for certain people groups that are marginalized and both of these are fought over moral grounds rather than over uh, you know the economic grounds that um, that defined you know, Australian politics for the last hundred years or so. Very interesting change that we're seeing taking place. I'm actually quite astounded that. I mean, I know with American politics, getting the religious vote is, you know. Yeah. Oh, win, absolutely. That's, 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 that's. And it's funny to think because, you know, people see. And I guess we also feel like Australia is such a secular country. You wouldn't think. And we would see Australia as being increasingly secular. Yeah. Yeah. But I, increasingly moralistic. Yeah, which is funny because yeah. it, it harkens back to that interview we did with Dan, Daniel Reno where he said, you know, when we talked about the, his book the, the with the Anzacs. Faith of the Anzacs. Yeah, and he was saying Australians are much more religious than we realise, we just don't talk about it. Mm. So, yeah, which really astounds but we, me. But apparently we do vote about yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And, do we uh, even know who we are? Anyway. One more story real quick. In our last couple of seconds, 934 tornadoes in the United States and counting for 2019. That's over and above a yearly average of 743. Signs of the times. 500 tornadoes in 30 days, 38 people dead so far. So Jesus is coming soon when you see those kind of weather events taking place around the world. This is Voices of Lee. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
Listening to Voices of Lee, No Longer Slaves, here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz. Yes, indeed, Lyle still doesn't know the answer. I'm super pleased about this. Who am I? Clue number three. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, says that I reasoned that God could raise the dead. Lyle has it correct. Yeah, I had it correct last time, but I'm not allowed to answer. Well, I had it correct after I got the last one wrong. But anyway. Excuses, excuses. If you know the answer, <laughs> give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. Get yourself a copy of U-Turn Health. Understanding, preventing, and reversing lifestyle disease. It's definitely something that we all need uh, this flu season. Indeed. Well, uh, joining us in the studio this morning is Sven, Sven Erstring. Sven, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. It's good to be back. Yes, indeed. And we always enjoy it when you come on the show and uh, talk about apologetics and arguments in favor of God. Indeed. Um, and today we're talking about Darwin's doubts. We are. We are. So tell me, is it is it even possible that Darwin had doubts as to his theory? Well, the interesting thing is, as you read the origin of the species, you do find these doubts, the, these um, these times where Darwin himself stopped and thought, "I wonder if my theory of evolution <clears throat> is really true." It's it's um it's amazing to to read about, and I guess the thing is, Lyle, even famous people have doubts. You know, so you can go to uh, back to the Bible, and uh, you can find people like John the Baptist. 
um, he had a doubt. So greatest was, of the prophets. Yeah, exactly. So he was sitting there in prison. I mean, I was listening to my uh, kids last night and and uh, listening to a Bible story. And uh, John sent a couple of his disciples to to. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the Christ? And then the other thing as well is um, uh, D- uh, Thomas had doubts as well. So so there's. From that perspective, we can say, well, it's, it's okay for Darwin to have doubts. Um, the question is, what do you do with those doubts? Uh, and, and if you start to search and look into them, uh, does the whole thing unravel or does it still stay intact? Sure. And this is a question I've got because science was pretty basic when Darwin came up with his, uh, you know, his, his theory of evolution. You know, he, he looked at a cell and it was a blob. It was like a brick. And, like now, a- and now we see incredible complexity within it. Um, so we know a lot more about science than what Darwin did. Yes. Has our increased knowledge solved Darwin's doubts? No, they, they haven't. Yeah, I've actually heard it said that if Darwin could hear the rebuttals that we have against evolution today, that he himself would have put his theory to rest and been like, okay, I was wrong. I, I believe that would be true. The, the only thing, though, as well, is that Darwin, the challenge that Darwin had um, was the, the problem of pain and suffering. And, and we can get onto this in, in another yeah, yeah, um, yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but really, that's why he was challenged. So he was almost driven towards evolution because he couldn't see how a good God could allow all of this pain and suffering, all of the animals fighting and eating each other and all of that kind of thing. Uh, but you're right, Mon. You know, he would, have, he would have had more doubts, I would say, now than he did back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really, really fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so let's look at, uh, let's look at, some of, uh, let's look at a, a couple of Darwin's biggest doubts. Yes. What do we have? Okay, so the first doubt was this. It comes in the fossil record. Okay, so so as you go down in the fossil record, there, there's um, it's what they call a geological column. So so you dig down, 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 and as you dig down, you go past all of these fossils. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start with the, the the big fossils, you know, the the whales and the uh, the, the the you know mammoths and all and those the complex, kind of things. The complex ones, the very very complex ones. And as you dig dig down further and further and further, uh, you get down to some really really simple um, animal life forms. So of course, uh, Darwin said, "Well, there you go. It proves my theory." of evolution uh, you go from the simple to the complex you know done yeah no it doesn't prove evolution it just pr- proves the flood but that's another story but the, the, the problem is this is that as you dig down uh, you get down to what uh, geologists calculate to be 540 million years ago which is actually just the depth is not time uh, but suddenly at this point in time uh, you find this explosion of all of these really complex life uh, forms, animal uh, body parts and all of that kind of thing. And, and so in a space of geological time, 10 to 25 million years, and um, that, that's all based on their calculations, mm-hmm. um, they, they would say, wow, this is amazing that in that short space of time, um, which is, when you, if you calculate it, is, is only about 0.6% of, of the evolutionary time scale, suddenly you have this huge explosion explosion of, of animal uh, fossils. Um, you have the trilobites. You have all of the other, uh, really, all of the, the major uh, classes or phyla of animals actually appeared at this, uh, this time. It's so this really is what's called the Cambrian explosion? Cambrian explosion. That's exactly okay, right. Okay, so the majority of all of the uh, animals, the types of animals that we have today, um, according to evolution, arrived. Let me, just, let me just wrap my head around this for a moment. Yes. 
the majority of these creatures arrived within 0.6% of the time period allocated for evolution. That, that's correct, yes. So, so, so you would expect that evolution would, would, it would either be a, uh, um, a, you know, a steady rise or even a J-curve going up, but we don't actually have that at all. Yes, because uh, Darwinism says that there's gradual change. So this is not gradual. Th- this is not gradual. Everything, everything turning up in zero point six percent of time is Sounds not like gradual. Creation. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. just want to put that out there. So, so, so the thing is, this it's like imagine going on a hike. So, so Richard Dawkins uh, has this book called Climbing Mountain Probable. Okay, so uh, Climbing Mountain Probable. Imagine that you're on a hike. Uh, say, say in New Zealand, for example, or Tasmania. So you're hiking yeah, Tasmania, along, of course, and and it's it's gradual, right? It just keeps on going along, and you want to get to the top of the mountain where us as human beings are from an evolutionary point of view. So Darwin wants, and and Dawkins himself said, you need this gradual path. Uh, to get to the top because I mean you know we're, we're not superhuman you know uh, but what the Cambrian explosion says is you've effectively hit this cliff face and and you have to to climb in 0.6 percent uh, of the, the the whole hike you have to get way r- so high do you, do you see the point yeah so you, just, you basically get to the bottom of the cliff face you strap on a jetpack exactly zoom to the top and yes. then keep going. Except the problem is there is no jetpack in evolution. There is no climbing rope. You basically, you, you've got nothing to get up the top of that cliff. It's just in, incredible. <laughs> it's just really, really uh, incredible. And so Darwin himself, uh, he said he couldn't, he couldn't explain how, how these, these animal uh, forms, these complex animal forms actually uh, arose in such a small amount of time. So he said, to the question of why we don't find this rich, uh, fossil deposits belonging to these earlier periods um, prior to the, the Cambrian explosion, he said, I've got no satisfactory answer. Okay, but that was a long time ago. Surely we have a satisfactory answer from evolution by now. No, we don't. No, we don't. So Jerry Kuhn, um, who uh, wrote um, the book Why Evolution is True, said, still, the reason why life lingered so long in a rather simple form and then rapidly diversified into all of these complex forms has been a long-standing puzzle for uh, fossil fossil um, you know paleontologists mm-hmm. so it's still not solved I mean they've got some crazy um, ideas but it's still not solved nobody can say well they've, they've solved it completely so here we have this major um, challenge to to Darwin to to evolution and and what I say is I look at this Cambrian explosion I go look at the entire geological column and and I agree with both of you I say it was the flood that did it over over a, a year period of time, uh, with all of those flood waters, that's why you find all of these diverse animal forms because that's where they end yeah, up. Because because very simply, when when a when a flood comes through, you know your your uh, your simple creatures are going to get buried first. That's right, and then you walk, it, yeah. Because the, the, the more complex animals are going to cl- try and climb up higher. Hmm. They're going to have the ability to, to move up higher. And, um, and of course, the really uh, smart ones will go right up to the top. Uh, but you've got this, this period where all, so many of the animal forms were buried and, and fossilized during that so period. Almost, you could almost say we have a, uh, a column of escapism rather than a column of Evolutionism. Time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But there's a second doubt. That okay, all right, right, right. 
Let's talk about the second one. Okay, so the second one uh, doesn't actually come in the origin of species, but came in a letter that Darwin wrote to his friend uh, William Graham. And what he said is, he said, you know, I've been working on this, uh, this theory of evolution for a long time. But then every so often I get this horrendous doubt. That's what he said. Horrendous doubt Ooh. that arise in my mind, which is this. You know, if we evolved from monkey-like animals, why would we trust our thinking, our own minds? Oh, that's an excellent point. Because, okay, here's well, the thing. If we, okay, if we evolved from monkey-like animals... But then they evolved from simpler creatures and simpler creatures and simpler creatures. And so we originally evolved from mud. So why should we trust our own mind? That's exactly right. So, so if you were to go down to Taronga Zoo or, or Dubbo Zoo or whatever, and you go up to the cage where there's the apes or the chimpanzees or the orangutans or whatever, and they're um, running around, they're, they're grabbing their bananas or whatever they're going to be eating, would you trust anything that they were thinking in terms of politics Science, probably uh, in ja- probably in relation to politics, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know the, the fact, yeah 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 the absolutely. fact is this no you wouldn't you, you wouldn't. wouldn't you wouldn't trust no. them so no so if we evolved from monkey like animals uh, then why would we trust our own thinking and it's such a profound uh, question and what it says is that that evolutionists scientists are, are so busy in their their work that they don't stop to think of the very uh, tool that they're using to do their work, to, to think about how does this impact, what is, what is the implications for my, my very own thinking. In fact, C.S. Lewis um, said the same thing. He, he said, you know, suppose there was no intelligence behind the universe, no creative mind. In that case, nobody designed my brain for the purpose of thinking. It's merely that when the atoms inside my skull happen for physical or chemical reasons to arrange themselves in a certain way, that gives me as a byproduct the sensation I call thought. Uh, but if so, how can I trust my own thinking to be true? He saw the same, same problem. Is it possible to even have such a thing as truth and error if we just evolved from mud? No, and this is the, the major issue with evolution because evolution is not focused on trying to identify um, and, and arrive at truth. I think we discussed this last time you were on the show. We were discussing like how can like anything moral, like how can morality exist as a concept if evolution is real? That, that's correct. Yeah, and it's like I often think you know if if evolution is the truth, wouldn't it be totally moral to run around? killing off the weaker people like if that was true hitler would be like one of the most moral people who ever lived well if he can get away with it yes yes because he's surviving he's the fittest and uh you know the jews and and all of those other uh the races that he was killing off uh, they happen to be the weaker ones you can't really argue against it in an evolutionary kind of world whereas if god exists um, and he is the author of right and wrong. You can definitely say yes. It is it is wrong to to gas um, Jews and and gypsies and 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 other groups of people to death in in a, in a chamber in the in the concentration camp. You know the interesting thing is this: is that the fact that we can do science is powerful evidence that God exists and that He created our minds. Uh, to be able to to think and and reason and to identify what's what's right and and Albert Einstein 
himself said, you know, the greatest, the eternal mystery of the world is its comprehensibility. The fact that our world is comprehensible is a miracle. Yeah, that we can understand it, we can comprehend it. That's right. That's right. Because, I mean, if I look at my dog, I don't know that he has a great comprehension of the world. No, he he has a great comprehension of, you know, who I am and that I give him food and he gets a warm, fuzzy feeling whenever he hangs around with me. But, you know, as far as the comprehension of the world, he's not uh, created like a human being. Yeah, and he doesn't need to. I mean, in terms of all he needs to do is find the food, find some good sleep, come to you for a good pat um, or or whatever. Um, But, you know, the thing is that you um, are looking at the world and you want to know so much more. Mm. Uh, You want to find out about particle physics. You want to know about the... Prophecy. Which is completely unnecessary to the process of evolution because, you know, dogs as a species have been incredibly successful without having any of that. That's correct. Knowledge at all. And if evolution um, creates where there is necessity, yes. then you sort of start to wonder what was the necessity for all of for, for comprehension. You know, comprehension is really something that just brings joy and happiness and and fulfillment to our lives as human beings. Yes. You know, Thomas, uh, when he had his doubts... He was faced, uh, came face to face with Jesus, and he, his doubts were resolved. But for Darwin, his doubts haven't been resolved. They've even got bigger and wider. That's fantastic, Sven. Really appreciate it. You always challenge us so much when you come on the show here with some, uh, some really, really deep thoughts. And uh, I have never before considered the doubts of Darwin. But some uh, very valid doubts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some d- doubts that have never ever been solved, and so it's good to know that Darwin was actually smart enough to recognise the faults within his own theory. Anyway, this is uh, Gungor with my father's world. This is my father's world, and to Hey!
Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. For tomorrow 
blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Father